This is Toastcaster, your communication, leadership, and learning lab, with your host, Greg Gazin. Episode 98, Financial Leadership Literacy in Her Community, with our guest, Natalie Torres Haddad. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of Toastcaster. We have a special guest today, Natalie Torres Haddad, originally from El Salvador, and now she hails from Los Angeles, California. She's a financial expert and award-winning author of Financially Savvy in 20 Minutes. She's a TEDx speaker, and she's the empowered voice for Latino millennials. She's also recently become a podcaster as well. Natalie Torres Haddad, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me, Greg. It's been awesome. For those of you who are followers of the Toastmasters podcast, we actually interviewed Natalie last May, May of 2017, as she was featured in the May 2017 edition of the Toastmasters magazine. We interviewed her, but even more importantly, well, I wouldn't say more importantly, but probably even more fun, Natalie was my co-host for a Spanish bilingual podcast, and she took a lead on a Spanish podcast. For those of you, my knowledge of Spanish is un poquito. (laughs) (laughs) Not at all. You did great. (laughs) Talking about a fish out of water. Let's talk a little bit about you. The last time that we spoke, you had said that you were going to be doing a whole bunch of things and you actually did a whole bunch of things and then more. Thank you so much for that. You know, I think that's something that's just a blessing, I think, more than anything, but all of the stuff I've done, I guess, in the last four years, not just by myself, it's definitely been with a team and then a group of people that have believed in me. And that's part of what Toastmasters is about and kind of to do a little plug for them. But you even had that conversation with me about like, okay, what is it you want to do with this? And why are you so passionate about what you do? For me, I was like, you know what, someday it'd be great to do a TEDx talk and to be able to travel and get paid to travel to speak about my, you know, my passion for financial literacy And the fact that it's been not just a a dream come true and a reality for me, but it's been a learning experience too. So even though I can't believe it's already been almost a year that you and I have talked on that, but creating the Spanish podcast with you and then now venturing into my own podcast about money and most people don't want to talk about in less than 20 minutes, I think has been such a learning experience. And I learned from people that are have been doing it. You're going well into almost your hundredth episode, which is mind boggling. Congratulations on that, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, I think that's something that uh, I, I strive for. So the fact that you're saying I'm doing some of these things that I put, I definitely had my top 10 things that I wanted to achieve in the next, I said five years and some of them have come true already, which is, I still think surreal, but more than anything, um, I'm constantly listening and learning from people like you and from other people that are not only doing well in their industry, but allowing me to learn something new that I thought maybe wasn't possible. And the fact that you did a Spanish one with me when you said, okay, I'm not fluent, it really pushed me to say, I need to do more Spanish content. And I think that's something that's really helped my career because even though I am Latina and I speak the language, sometimes people, especially in Los Angeles and other parts of the country, just because you are Latina doesn't necessarily mean you speak Spanish or uh, let her know, know much about the culture. So that's something that I have been able to um, shine and really take pride and ownership of that. Because for a long time, you know, growing up in Los Angeles, you kind of just want to, you know, blend in with other people. <laughs> so I think that's something that lately I've just really learned to be able to speak my truth and understand that, you know, we're all different. And that's something that's really unique about each and every one of us. And um, it's been really, I've been very fortunate to be 
able to really do some of the things that I really wanted to do. And thank you for, for that uh, recognition. I appreciate that. You're welcome. I know we usually leave this part for the end, but maybe just tell us a little bit about your TEDx talk. When was it? What happened? What was it about? What was the experience like? Wow. So I still can't believe it happened. It was like I said, uh, on my bucket list to do. And I thought, yeah, that'd be great. Um, I've been hearing people saying, you know, you should do in a couple, at least the last couple of years, especially as, as a Toastmasters, that's a lot of us have that on our bucket list. So the fact that I was offered one in the uh, last year was uh, mind boggling. I didn't even know where the location was. It was in Davenport, Iowa. I had to look it up and <laughs> it was such a dream come true. And it was also a most probably most challenging talk I've ever had to do because I talked about talk about being vulnerable. This is a, a place that I publicly talked about things that were the most difficult thing in my life. Um, my topic was the foreign language of financial literacy. I played with that title so many times. So <laughs> there's moments where I forget what it is. And I talked about growing up, learning different languages, right? And then understanding that financial literacy is its own language as, as well. And it's constantly evolving. I had to practice, I had to train, I practiced it in front of many live audiences before the actual TED Talk. It was a surreal experience that I still can't believe really happened. It was in March. It's been wonderful to be able to have people understand some of my story, but more importantly, people coming to me all the time, either through email, even right after I did my speech at the auditorium, people coming up to me crying, saying, you know, they understood, they felt the same anxieties, they went through the same thing. And there was a particular people that really stood out one that she said, you made me cry about financial literacy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, and I, I stood there and I totally knew what she meant. And I thought, yes, that was my point. I wanted people to care about learning about financial literacy or being supportive of people that are learning it. And another lady who had told me she herself had had her own nervous breakdown after losing her job of 30 years. And that's really been such a cool experience for myself. And then also being connected with other TED speakers. Wow, Greg, I have to tell you, through Toastmasters, there's so many elements and tools and resources that we can get. And then you start getting connected with other people that are expertise in their field. So I've met a few TED speakers that have done multiple TED Talks. And one of the coolest things was understanding everybody has their own story. And the best advice I got was, tell us something that people don't know about you or they can't Google you because chances are that's what's going to make them want to watch you or listen to you speak for at least 10 minutes. And that was a really difficult thing to do because that meant I had to talk about maybe something that was extremely challenging for me. But it also allowed me to no longer feel ashamed of that. And it really has made me somehow feel empowered and humbled by my situation because I'm more sympathetic to other people that are going through what I went through, or I could see things that they're going through now that I'm like, it's going to be okay, you can get past that, especially dealing with depression and what we see a lot in the media. Now, I think it's more important to talk about mental health and talk about how financial hardships can affect that too. So it's been a real, real great, great experience. And I, I do give a lot of credit to my own Toastmasters Club. I got a little shout out to Compton. They heard my speech more than a handful of times. And they gave me so much great constructive criticism. And they allowed me to speak as much as I could. And luckily, some of my clients were happy when I would come out and do my presentations. I'm like, hey, do you mind if I do maybe 10 minutes of my TED speak? So I, I got to prep a lot for that. And I hope most people that decide to do a TED Talk when they're offered to take that, take that advantage as well. That's super. I think one of the uh, other things that made me feel 
not only privileged to be a part of the TED Talk was that I was the only Latino represented um, out of all the speakers. So there was, I believe, one out of, yeah, only one out of four of us that were people of color. So it was a really great opportunity to represent my culture and what we go through. So I think that's something that I will forever be grateful for. Well, that's great. So we'll make sure that we put the proper name in the show notes and have a link to your TEDx speech as well. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much. Your major area of focus is in financial literacy. Now, you also focus primarily in the Latino community. Was that something that just came about? Was that intentional? Or how did that all start? That actually is something that did not start off to be my my niche category, you could say. I became a real advocate for financial literacy because we're dealing with many people graduating with college, tons of student debt, and also not having a job right away. And and I think that's something that I felt most people don't want to talk about. And obviously, statistics will show that a lot of people are ashamed to even have that conversation, whether it's a taboo in your culture, or it's just something that maybe you weren't taught. So I already knew that I was going to cater it to either the college student or the, the recent college grad, you know, transitioning and, and understanding what it is that we need to talk about. And so what happened, it started to transition into actually anyone dealing with debt, because I found more and more people that didn't go to college, but somehow have tons of credit card debt or have other personal loans. And it started to be, oh, you know what, my mom or my dad should really listen to you. Possibly they were first generation college graduates. So then they'd start referring me to their parents' PTAs and other conferences, other universities. It started to niche to Latino market, yet most of them are all English speaking. But I little by little, I do transfer when I can in Spanish. And it became kind of a funny way that people started calling me financially savvy Latina. And, and especially at this one event that was for all business owners and people that were starting <laughs> out. And I thought it was the funniest thing because people were at first I was like, yeah, financially savvy because I was the name of my book, financially savvy in 20 minutes. And they're like, oh, you're the financially savvy Latina or oh, you're the finance. And I was like, OK, that's that's actually kind of cool. The You know, obviously, they start to recognize this is what I look like. This is who I am. There's a lot of people in the financial industry, um, whether they're CPAs, financial planners, wealth managers, you know, financial or if they're selling insurance, whatever it might be, that aren't necessarily Latino, let alone women and Latina. So that's somehow I started to cater more into that. And I felt it also allowed me to market myself to companies that allowed that were looking to fill kind of what we say that quota where they're like, hey, we need a woman. It'd be nice to have a woman of color, maybe a first generation graduate, college student and a millennial, whatever. I managed to hit all those boxes. So it shows that they're obviously including more diversity and who they're hiring to come and speak to their companies. And I think that is something that's allowed me to really own who I am when at first I was kind of like, I just want to be considered equal with everyone else. But that's something I have learned in the past few years that that's not going to happen. And that's okay, because then I can follow my own niche and understand that, you know what, there's plenty of people like me. And in the US, I know your your audience is really all over the world. But in the US, we see Latinos will be the the majority um, ethnic group. So it's definitely the time where I see a lot of companies and people now investing into the Latino market. And I was fortunate enough that I've already been in it. So I think that's something that I look forward to seeing what the next 10 years look like. So it sounds like there's certainly some benefits. What are some of the challenges with focusing in one area? The challenges with that is that obviously, one, we're limiting ourselves to a particular group. But I think the challenges, too, is 
we have to be able to adapt. And I think sometimes I'm like, well, I can't always say this is how a person feels. Let's say they're a college graduate. Not everyone is a college graduate. Maybe they went for three years and yet they still grad, they still had the student debt, not the actual degree. That's something that I had to cater my presentations to where it's like, okay, I'm still going to teach you about financial literacy. I'm still going to teach you about talking about terms that need to be discussed and understanding what your you know student loan looks like and all. But I needed to cater it to make it a little bit more general. I think that's been a challenge. It still is a challenge for me because once in a while I'll get a completely different new conference that I'm going to speak at and I have to address it to maybe a group of activists or college professionals or, or, or excuse me, soon to be college graduates. Um, or sometimes it's a complete different audience that has nothing to do with being Latino at all. So um, I think that's something that's still a challenge because then I have to I have to prepare. And so I, I start prepping well in advance. Um, you have to do the research. I'm actually going to be on a conference next week in, in um, D.C. And it's months in advance that, you know, these locations will hire you to come and be a speaker and you have to do, I have to do the research on, okay, what are the type of statistics that I need to bring to that conference? Because this particular workshop is going to have all college educated people, right? Or, or all people that are maybe first generation, um, or maybe some that are immigrant, whatever the case might be. So that's a huge challenge for me particular, because I'm in an industry that isn't necessarily not, not only popular. It's just, it just doesn't really exist yet. I'm kind of coming up with my own uh, way of doing it. And, and I, I guess that's also a fun thing. Cause then I can be a little creative, but sometimes <laughs> I'll listen to, you know, other podcasts to kind of get like yours. And, you know, there's so many podcasts that talk about being a, a public speaker or a presenter, um, and try to get ideas on how they do it. But then I'm like, okay, that's not really going to work for me because of who my audience is. So really understanding who we're speaking to is crucial. And I do my best to also say no to some companies, organizations that I can't really speak to because, Maybe they say, hey, can you talk on this topic? And I'm like, that really isn't what I'm, I'm about. Like for me, I don't sell insurance. I don't sell like wealth management package or any. I mean, I refer people to, to something. That's what they're looking for. But I'm talking about just kind of having that conversation and what certain terms and keys you should be having in your vocabulary when it comes to financial literacy. How to talk to your kids about this or those that are going through college and how to talk to your parents about your finances. So for me, it's still a challenge. And I think I think that's anybody that has a business or anyone that's thinking about becoming a, a professional public speaker is that you start tweaking each presentation. Somehow there's still a, a big chunk of it that is going to be what you're known for because that's why you were hired. But at the same time, it needs to be catered to that audience. For me, it's still a lot of prep work. And, and I think the biggest compliment for me is when people say, hey, you just look like you just went up there and you winged it and, and it was so like casual. You look like you were talking to me. It was awesome. And in my head, I'm like, you have no idea how many times I practiced that. <laughs> you know, even if I cried, it was like, I knew I was going to cry at this moment, or, you know, like tear up, not cry, cry, or, or you know, make a, a joke or something, because it, it does take a lot of practice to make it look natural. <laughs> Absolutely. Natalie, it sounds like you've broken a lot of ground and you've done some things, uh, doing speeches and giving presentations and creating financial awareness in communities that perhaps didn't have this before. Out of curiosity, there we are such a culturally diverse world. What kind of recommendations or what thoughts, what what are some of the things you might be able to recommend for someone who wants to try to try something new or take leadership in their own communities? Well, first of all, I think I'd recommend is just sitting down and making a list of your strengths and what makes you you and unique. I mean, that sound, might sound a little cliche, but 
I think when we start to really look at ourselves and say, okay, this is how I've been brought up. This is where I am now. Uh, this is where I would like to be. Then I think it makes it a little bit more realistic to say, you know what, I can go into my neighborhood and say, I want to make some change here because my problems might not be the same problems in the city next door or Maybe the community where I live in, there's not enough resources for the youth or not enough resources for elderly. And being able to come forth and say, these are my my experience, my knowledge that comes with that, then I think people automatically start seeing the credibility behind it. So particularly for me, anything that I've ever taken on as whether it's volunteer or a job that I've taken, it's because I see there's a need, right? And so I think sometimes we make it seem like, oh, I have to come up with this big grand project to make it work. And it's like, no, sometimes maybe it's just solving one person's problem. And sometimes that could be just starting a, a, a small organization or getting a couple of volunteers. Some, some people do like city cleanups, or sometimes we do fundraisings for causes that we really care about. And I see that a lot, especially now, so many people are becoming more activists. We have social media, we have so many different resources that we can connect with other people in our community. And believe it or not, maybe you think one thing's important that maybe you think no one else would. You'd be surprised. You put it out there by, you know, listening to certain podcasts or going on social media and finding out, oh, you know what? There's other people that really enjoy reading Spanish books on travel for, you know, those that are learning Spanish, whatever it might be. And somehow that creates this community and it creates a, a community of change. And it kind of reminds me of last year, Greg. I never got to thank you, but after our our interview, it goes back to this question as well. I actually was reached out to someone that said they worked at this company and they have never had a Latina talk to their company about financial literacy. And yet they have these great workshops all the time, but this 15 years she was there, she had never seen that, let alone a woman. So I said, oh, perfect. This is a great opportunity. And obviously they hired me. I would have never thought that that particular, which was a major company hire would look at me or would even look at a woman or Latina or whatever it might be. And the fact that the need was there was just sometimes just doing it remotely. And for me, I started doing that in my libraries. I started doing financial literacy workshops in my libraries for free when I started. This was years ago, you know, and for me, it's because I just wanted to help these students understand that one, don't get into student debt. And if you are, learn how to deal with it and that it's going to be okay. Um, because a lot of parents don't understand the frustration that children's go. I mean, if you went to college more than 20, not even maybe 10, more than 20 years ago, it's completely different. Now we see students graduating with six figures of debt and, you know, not having a job when they graduate. So the, the anxiety and the frustration is different. So if someone that's thinking of doing something in their community or becoming some type of a, a leader, it's just writing down what your strengths are. What are the problems that you see that you would like to solve? Even if you have no idea of doing it, chances are you might find someone else that has that same goal and, and you can start creating these communities. I've collaborated with so many amazing women lately that have allowed me to do what I do because we have something similar. I, I actually am working with someone in New York and Chicago and Texas. We would have never met if it wasn't for social media, but we all have a similar interest in what we do and our passion. So that's really helped us create huge community change with it, what we do and what we work because we've decided to collaborate and work together. And I think sometimes people think they have to go about it alone. So it's a great question to ask. And I think that's the first start is write it down and get people involved that you know would be interested in. And if you don't find any, then start putting it out there and, and finding those that you can collaborate to get something done because all it takes is you to help one person. If it does well, it, it can trickle down. 
Well, I'm very honored that you found my advice valuable and your experience on the podcast equally valuable. <laughs> so there's another suggestion for people. Listen to podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. It's definitely the new wave. I think it's what people are not no longer seeing it as a radio eventually not exist pretty much. And podcasting is the way to go for finding, you know, niche, great expertise. And, and sometimes in a quick commute home can make the world of a difference. I feel like I'm talking to you, Greg, when I'm listening to you talk to other great guests. And it's like, oh, my gosh, I would have never thought that I learned something new and it's enjoyable. And half of the time, it's really funny. <laughs> the other times, sometimes really serious. And you're like, wow, I really resonate with that person's story. So yes, thank you. <laughs> and I'm sure you sometimes say, God, that Greg, he's a little crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little, no. <laughs> Is it muy loco or más loco? <laughs> Un poquito loco. Un poquito loco. <laughs> not, not much. Just a little crazy. Well, Natalie, it's, it's time to wrap up. I know you're a busy lady because it's taken me months to get you on the podcast, but I'm glad you found <laughs> the time for me because I know you're heading off to Washington, D.C. next week. Perhaps just let people know a little bit about your new podcast and where they can get a hold of you and maybe get a hold of your book, Financially Savvy Latina, in 20 minutes. Yes, thank you. So the podcast is, there's an English and Spanish. The English is called Financially Savvy in 20 Minutes, so they can get it on iTunes. And the Spanish version is Financieramente Inteligente, 20 Minutos. And it's what it is. Both podcasts are under 20 minutes. I'm interviewing self-made millionaires, entrepreneurs, doing that, people that are doing financially well and what they learn, what tips and habits. Um, and it's not your typical podcast, like here are the basic questions, but I do ask some pretty interesting questions. And one of my favorite ones is what was that one check that made you completely think different than nine to five. So sometimes they'll say, oh yeah, the first time I got this commission off of my sale or, and it made them think that transferring the same amount of hours to get paid is not the same. And my book, uh, Financially Savvy in 20 Minutes is the same in Spanish. Uh, you can get it through my website, financiallysavvy20minutes.com. Or you can also uh, contact me through all my social media handles. They're all Financially Savvy Latina, except for the Twitter. It's, it's been Savvy Latina. Um, and that's uh, the best way to reach me. So once again, thank you for having me on this. Thank you for being consistent. I know I've been trying to make sure it works for you on your hours too, especially you being in Canada and me in LA. Uh, it, it's a little bit more of a challenge, but I appreciate that so much. Natalie Torres said that. It's been an absolute pleasure. Muchas gracias. Thank you so much. That was awesome. Once again, this is Greg Gazin. We appreciate you tuning in. Now, I'm not sure how you joined us, whether you joined us through directly through Toastcaster.com or iTunes, but either way, you can pick up the podcasts there. If you really enjoyed the podcast, we'd really appreciate if you took a moment to leave us some feedback on iTunes because it really helps with our ratings. Plus, also feel free to drop us a line. Tell us what types of things you're interested in, what your Toastmaster specialty is, or what kinds of things you like to speak about. And perhaps maybe we'll even have you on the show. This is Greg Gazin. Till the next time. This episode was sponsored by Corey Outsmarts the Butterflies, a new book by Greg Gazin, geared to ages 8 to 80. Whether you want to improve your speaking skills or build your confidence, this short read is suitable for all ages. It's available at outsmartingthebutterflies.com. <laughs>